Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Are you kidding me? You are looking live. Winning cures everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in, welcome in. It is Monday, May the 4th. This is Winning Cures Everything. I'm Gary. I'm Chris. And we have got a lot going on today. Before we get to all of the sports topics from the weekend and whatnot, we'll uh, we'll let you know we're going to discuss the last dance probably tomorrow. Uh, we, we, did not, uh, we did not have room for it in today's show. We got a lot going on football-wise. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about Michael Jordan and whatnot tomorrow. I can't wait to discuss it with you because... Charles Barkley and that whole, the Dream Team stuff, the gambling stuff. Obviously, we enjoy our gambling, but uh, but we're going to talk about that tomorrow. Today, we got Coach Shula, we got Andy Dalton, we got uh, the Steelers, we got Tennessee football recruiting, etc. Uh, McKinnon jumps in already on Facebook. Said, "Better get on that Stidham train now, boys. Good to be back." Of course, it is. It's always good to be back. So uh, we had a long, fascinating, wonderful weekend. And I am ready to dive into stuff. First things first, if you want to jump in on the chat on the show, you can see it right there at the bottom left of your screen. You jump in the chat, everybody's going to be able to see it. Matt jumps in on YouTube. Obviously, we already have McKinnon and Facebook. We're on Twitch. We're on Periscope as well. Hop in. Let us know what you're thinking. We want to hear your ideas. You, you help drive the conversation. So we appreciate you guys jumping in on that. Make sure you are subscribed at any of those platforms or at any of your favorite podcast apps. Uh, you can find all of those over at winningcureseverything.com. All of our stuff is over there. Everything you need to know about us is going to be right there. Let's go ahead and dive into topic number one. Coach Don Shula passed away today at age 90. Uh, I, I think this is, you know, it, obviously he's older. It, it wasn't totally expected, but, I mean, when you're that age, I think it's expected at any point. Uh I mean, 90 years old, he went 17-0, won the Super Bowl in 72, and then repeated the following year. Did not go undefeated that next year, but 328, 156, and 6 overall. He went 19-17 and in the playoffs. He won 
three league titles, one with the Colts when it was, you know, before the uh, the merger. Uh, and then he won two Super Bowls after that. Uh, made three other Super Bowls, didn't win those, but he was an outstanding coach. You know it's a big deal when Bill Belichick uh, makes a statement almost immediately after learning of your passing. Uh, he doesn't comment on a lot of things, but he said some incredibly nice things about Don Shula. Uh, very, very respected coach. Uh, what What are your thoughts on this? Um. Yeah, I, I saw a couple of people, and I don't know, I don't, this is going to come across bad because I always tend to find a way to do that. And I don't mean to, um, a lot of people were like, thanks 2020. Like this is just a gift that keeps on giving. And I got to think anybody who was rich and famous through the sixties and the seventies, I can't believe you made it to 90 anyway. Yeah. Like, like he lived an unbelievable life and he lived it through a time in which was probably some of the coolest times you could ever kind of have a lot of money and be in this country. Yeah, you're right. So um <laughs> you, he, you know so he, right. yeah he, he got to he got to see a whole lot of the world evolve uh in 90 years and uh and he was a hell of a football coach. Now so, you, you got that right from uh, my wife's hometown of Painesville, Ohio. Uh, really? I didn't even realize that. Yes sir. So, we got a lot of good football coaches from Ohio. Ohio's yep, a yep. Hot football I believe, I believe he's one of the coaches that went to John Carroll. I'm not certain. That would so, that would make sense. I do know that there's a bunch of them that did that ended up in the NFL. So now you got that right. So obviously his son Mike is uh, is still uh, an assistant somewhere. Uh, Matt jumps in talking about 2020. Now we have murder hornets. Uh, I might bring that up tomorrow. We'll see. I, <laughs> I haven't decided yet. But uh, but yeah, Don Shula, his his son Mike was the Alabama football coach for a few years. Uh, he was the offensive coordinator for. The Giants, I think, last uh, last year, maybe the year before that as well. He was with the Panthers for a while. He's been with the Jaguars. He's he's been all over the place. So um, the Shulas will continue on in the coaching uh, business in the NFL and in college football for years to come. I would imagine. Um, Carlos Gomez jumps in on YouTube already. Says, uh, "What's up, guys? Again, jump in the chat. Let us know what you're thinking. We want to hear your thoughts on this. Let's go ahead and move into the next topic." Um, Next one, Andy Dalton signs with the Dallas Cowboys on Saturday afternoon. Uh, I hit you guys up with this. You know, we were having a discussion. I tossed it in a little little premature. I, I ended our earlier conversation too early. I apologize for that, but I saw it, and I kind of freaked out at first because this was not one of the names that I thought was going to jump in and grab him, but it is a place that needed a backup quarterback uh, Pretty substantially, I think. Well, now, hang on now. They they need a starting quarterback. Agree. As of right now, he has not signed his franchise tender. So the the Dalton contract is one year, seven million dollars, and I, it's either four or three million dollars. Three million dollars guaranteed. guaranteed. Okay. Um, and 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 basically, what it is, it's a three million dollar deal unless he becomes the starter. Got gotcha. you. Okay. Which is insane. You're going to get a starting quarterback for $7 million at his caliber. That's pretty strong. Yes. And obviously, I think it's a hometown deal. Uh, he yes. played at TCU. Yes. You know, it, he's going back home trying to figure things out, but it's only a one year contract. You know, right. he, he could end yeah, up. One year prove it deal. I like those. I like those. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would. I like I him for the player. That. I like him for the coach, uh, for the team. Yeah. 100%. Now, it, it's obviously, if you can get a long term deal, make sure that you're protected, all that. Obviously, you would like to have that. But, but he's made a ton of money. His last yes. deal 
was one of the big, big, big deals that people were like, is he really worth it? And then they hashed out the money where, well, very little of it's guaranteed, but shit, he played through the whole thing. Yeah, he he most certainly did. He, now, they weren't very good at the end, but he, he got all of his money. Uh, he performed relatively well, you know, right. relatively speaking, of course. I I look at this as two different things. One, if they are going to sign Dak, they needed a good backup because you never know nowadays. And and if you don't have a just a decent backup, I mean, you saw what happened to the Steelers last year. Everything can fall apart on you. If you've already got all the other pieces in place, you got to have that one spot. Now, on the other side, is this possibly a negotiating tool with Dak Prescott? You 100%. know, they've they've already got Dalton signed and done, and they've been going back and forth over numbers with Prescott for months, over a year now? Now, I have a buddy of mine who is a massive Mississippi State fan and Cowboy fan, and he has been a Cowboy fan before Dak got there, so that was just the most obnoxious marriage the world could ever find for me um, with him. But he is under the understanding that Dak is not demanding 40 years, a $40 million a year. It's now at $35 million, which is kind of where the high-end quarterbacks are getting, but whatever. And uh, and the argument is the Cowboys want to lock him up for five years, and he only wants four and wants to be able to re-up after that. Um, I don't know how much information he actually has, where he's getting it from. I haven't kind of heard or seen any of that stuff. I do know he's pretty connected to Mississippi State, and there are people that he knows that knows Dak. Um, so if he's got any real information, it, that that's coming from Dak's side. Uh, I'm going to tell you, man, if I was Jerry, I would stick to my guns. Now, it, you know, if we come to a more reasonable number, then I'm not, I'm not worried about it at all. But if he's demanding $40 million a year, and I've put this unbelievable team together, and I think Andy Dalton can drive this boat, I'm going to let Andy drive it. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I'm going to say, brother, you can go get your 40 somewhere else. Because, uh, you know, our boy TJ from from uh, from Tampa Bay has told us, you know, and he he said it multiple times, and he was right. The Bucks were bidding against themselves for Jameis, and as soon as Jameis became a free agent, nobody wanted him. Now, I don't think Dak is Jameis. I think he is substantially more valuable than Jameis. But I don't know that the question, was, though. Yeah, it, I mean, is is he? All the spots are pretty much filled up. Like if there may he be was one a or two free spots. agent quarterback right now, people would make a spot for him. But you bet your ass he ain't getting thirty five million dollars from no, anybody. Not in the slightest. McKinnon jumps anybody. in on Facebook. He said something I saw earlier today. If the Cowboys so choose, they could rip up that franchise tag from Dak anytime before he signs because he hasn't signed it yet. Yeah, and they could say, "See you." No team is it's picking. A, it's him up. an offer. But if he doesn't sign that offer at some point in time, they have the right to to renege the offer. Yeah. No, you're because right. it hasn't been signed. He said uh, no team is picking up for the money he's asking for right now, especially during the pandemic. The ball is yep. officially in his court to take a contract or leave it. Um, yep. Matt jumps in. He said could be a future trading point. Show he has something left in the tank and then trade him for someone they actually need going forward. Now, it, this could be insurance against a DAC injury. Uh, this could be the, a The problem a with thing. trading and quarterbacks, it just doesn't happen very often. Well, and the value. Like it, they don't have a lot of that. And here's the reason why: you gotta you gotta find the dummy, all right? Like like Bill O'Brien 
that's willing to pay you the draft picks and pay the money. Yeah. Because you never get that guy for nothing. Okay. You're going to pay a lot in draft picks to get them because they're valuable to the franchise. Or, and then after you pay a lot in draft picks, Bill O'Brien's case, he, he went and got Tunstall. You got two first round picks for Tunstall. Two. That's a massive haul for a guy. Then had to turn around and sign him to a $60 million three year deal. Yeah. That, so, so, so you so give you up capital twice and, yeah. for the same guy. Yeah. It, so it depends on whether or not they're actually worth it. And yeah. even if, if even if Andy Dalton is able to show in a backup role that he does have a lot left in the tank, how much is that worth to somebody? I doubt it's going to be that much. And in the middle of the season, you know, maybe people are more desperate uh, desperate than they normally would be. But the I, only way you would be able to trade Dalton is if because it's all, he's only going to go to a team that's competing is yeah. if the Cowboys somehow fall out of competing for a title. They're going to be good. They're going to be in the in the NFC East race the entire year, if not front runners for the NFC East the entire year. So they can't justify trading their backup to a contender. Yeah. But the only person who would trade for him is somebody who's a contender and their quarterback goes down. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, Matt jumps in and says, how long did John Kitna stay in the league? And he was horrible. Yeah, this is a little bit different situation. Like, Kitna didn't make a ton of money towards the end of his career, but he latched on to teams in the yeah. offseason, kind of the way that Dalton just did. Uh, but he would latch on for, you know, a couple million dollars a year over a three-year deal. It was, hey, we just need insurance, basically. He I, was I think an he's talking team. about Kitna as the OC of the Cowboys, right? Uh, maybe. I thought he was talking about Kitna as the, uh, as the quarterback. I think he's referring to John as the maybe OC, so. but I could be wrong. Uh, who knows? Maybe Matt can explain it here in just a little bit. In the meantime, though, uh, we'll go on and jump into the next topic. Um, our third topic here, let's see if I can get it to, to pop up for me. Um, and it won't. Uh, let's see. Uh, Matt said uh, he ran out of the back of the end zone. So, well, okay. there you go. <laughs> All right. Good clarity there. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, so next topic up for us. The Pittsburgh Steelers are not re-signing Juju uh, or Connor. Yeah, or Connor. Um, and I don't. And really they've understand. already come like, out and said that, even though they don't have to. I think they still have a year left on those deals. Yeah, they. Uh, well, they, so they were the rookie deals. Right, so it yeah, was a. They weren't first round picks. No, they weren't. But it, it was so, the. So it's not a fifth year tender because it's only for first round guys. Right, but it's still a four year deal because they were both second rounders. So it, it's four years. This is the last year of their deal, and and then we'll see what happens. But uh, Ed Bouchette of the Athletic believes it is not likely that they will resign Juju, and he said that they will not resign James Conner. Now he's just a reporter. This information came from uh, Art Rooney II, and yeah. and he he said this back in January. He said, you know, obviously we want both of them to be here long term. We're not going to re-sign them before the season, and that's been the Steeler way: is get your guys signed before the last year of their deal, right. so that you make sure everything's good. Well, let me go through some of the numbers here just to kind of give you an idea, because what he said back in January kind of meshes with the idea. Um, 
<laughs> Matt already jumped in. He said, the red banner's throwing me off. I keep thinking it's breaking news. I, we'll change the color on it. That's <laughs> that's why we wanted to toss Will it in. Will the color affect it, Matt? Uh, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> uh, but okay, so, so with the Steelers, Juju last year played in 12 games out of 16. He missed four games due to injury. He had 42 receptions, 552 yards, and only three touchdowns. Not great. And I understand the quarterback you throw play. all last year's numbers out. You can't You can't say you understand that and then give that stat, though. You do that a lot. That doesn't make any sense. No, it, it absolutely makes sense. Like It look, doesn't. It I, just doesn't. Okay. Give me your side of the Juju story here. You cannot justify what happened last year when he had complete ineptitude and morons throwing him the football the entire season. Not, not just one or two games. The entire season, they had a carousel of fools at the quarterback position. So neither one of them can have great games because everyone knows they can't throw the ball. We just play everybody man-to-man and blitz and rush the quarterback and make sure Connor doesn't get out. All right, it's so, not hard to defend against a moron for a quarterback, somebody who cannot play the position, and they had two or three of those guys just rotate in and out of that spot. Yeah. Now you're you're right about that. So uh, every season but that have been not just good, outstanding for Juju. Well, here's great the, level. Here's the deal for Juju. What he did last year was very comparable to what he did as uh, as a rookie in 2017. In 2018, he had a breakout year. It was one year, and then he had what happened last year. So he's only had three years here. So. We're not talking about a large sample size. He did really great when he was playing alongside Antonio Brown and the rest of that bunch, right? It was the same thing with James Conner. Not a great rookie year, fantastic second year, and then last year he only played in 10 games. He yeah, lost but his six rookie year he played behind Le'Veon. That's, yeah. That's, I, I, you don't have two running backs that can have good numbers. And he had agreed. a great second year because he was the only guy and Le'Veon was gone. And, and then that, his third year was everybody stopped Connor and Juju because the rest of these guys are worthless. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt jumps in and said Juju was so freaking hyped and just was a dud. He couldn't make plays. He could be on the downhill slide after everyone is figuring him out. And I think I that's be, why the Steelers are, are holding on and waiting until this season to see what happens, right? Because I, I think this is complete foolishness by him. I think they're. I just think they're missing the boat on both of them. Let me let me get into Connor's numbers real quick. He he played in ten games last year. One hundred sixteen carries, only four hundred sixty four yards rushing. Had thirty four receptions for two hundred fifty four yards. He had seven total touchdowns in I ten games. I don't. I, once again, I don't care. Last year was a complete disaster for the Steelers offensively. Yeah, I don't care. Okay, so what happens if? Ben Roethlisberger goes down again, and you At have guys that time, cannot you have create. To have somebody who can run the offense, if you want to correctly assess and judge the offensive skill players. So it, you you like to talk a lot of trash about Ben Roethlisberger. I do constantly. If it, is is Roethlisberger that good of a quarterback that nope. he completely changes these two guys? No. Okay, he's aptitude. He's he's capable. He's competent. You're you're. This is the argument that people have all the time, and, and and now we're about to go down a completely different rabbit hole, but I'm trying to make comparisons here. Tom Brady leaves the Patriots. They move into Jarrett Stidham. The Patriots have had Jarrett Stidham on their team for one year. 
they've seen him. They believe in him as their backup. Okay. Okay. They're going forward. And there are people out there in the media who are saying, well, they're going to be a three win team now because the, the separation between Tom and anybody else is massive. Okay. Okay. And they point to Peyton Manning in the Colts. And when Peyton left, they went from Super Bowl contenders to three win team. And the difference is one team is prepared for that escape and has at least tried to find somebody competent and capable. The other team's general manager openly came out and said, we don't worry about the backup quarterback because if Peyton goes down, we are, and I quote, fucked, and we don't practice fucked. Okay? So that's how you go from there to there. Can the Steelers bring somebody in who is competent and capable? That doesn't mean Ben Roethlisberger is a god. It just means these guys are 50 feet of shit. Yeah. And that that's what's crazy is... You're asking, is Ben Roethlisberger a savior for these guys? No, I don't that's think not what I was asking at all. Anymore. Like, yeah, you did. You bloomed him up. You were like, is he so good that he's the only way they can be relevant? No. That's not saying that he's a god. in the league that can make those guys relevant. <laughs> uh, McKinnon jumped in on Facebook, said Chris is about to pop a gasket talking about Big Ben. Uh, yeah, I, and I get why you get upset about this, but I did have to ask the question, right? No, but you're not I, asking the question. You're literally trying to do a gotcha question because it doesn't No, this make is not sense. a gotcha question. This is literally for us to sit and discuss what is going on with the Steelers and why they would or would not be you're, willing to resign these two these players. unbelievably skillful players. I hope they leave. God, I want them to leave. I don't want them there. When, you're, when the teams that hate you love what you're doing, you're probably doing the wrong thing. That's a pretty good just baseline understanding of what's going on with leagues, all right? Yeah. The teams that hate you watch you just as closely as your fans. And if they're happy, you're doing something wrong. So stop what you're doing. I think Juju is an absolute elite receiver. And if he had 28 other quarterbacks in the league last year, he would have been just fine. Uh, you I think are the probably same right. thing for James Conner, but I also believe that running backs I'd never pay. So that doesn't make me feel bad that they're going to not pay him. I wouldn't pay a single one ever. Yeah, that's I, I agree with you about that. You just find another guy and, and say, "There's the whole go." I would pay Juju. I would not pay James Conner. Um, but my question but is: me. is if they've already come out and said this, if you're Juju, are you on the phone with your agent saying, "Get me the best deal"? There's no hometown discount. I don't care that I was drafted by the Steelers organization. If they're going to openly come out and tell people they don't want me. I want to find someplace else to be. Now you've risked that happening. That's yeah, that's a very good point. Um, and I, I think don't, that's now, ridiculous. That, that leads to you the other can't question. Figure out your quarterback situation. That leads that's to a, that's a you problem as an organization. Art Rooney the second needs to try to figure out how the hell somebody can play quarterback. Well, they did come out and say that they believe in Mason Rudolph as their backup quarterback, and that is just absurd. Then they're just wrong. Like, then yes. they're just going to be bad for a long time. Yes, I agree. I agree. It, it, Matt jumped in on YouTube, said Steelers are a power running team. You need a good quarterback who, if the run game is not working, has to be able to throw it. it all of them. All of them are like that. Like it, it, Every team should be good at running the football at least somewhat, but you, regardless of everything else, you have to be able to throw the football. Like That's if just bottom line. If you don't have a line. competent quarterback, the difference between competency 
and worthlessness is a is a chasm against NFL defenses. Even yes. bad NFL defenses will shut your ass down. Yeah, and now it is. I, I will still say this: it was remarkable that that team finished with eight wins last year. Yeah, there because was the defense no reason. played out of their mind. That's remember but they, they lost. Struggled to score thirteen points. They lost both games that Roethlisberger played in. That's yeah. how crazy it was. Like they went yeah, eight and the, six. The, the first game they lost that Roethlisberger played they, in, he they got played stomped. for like five minutes. Yeah. It's, well, no, no, no. The the first game, like he, oh, he played second, all the first the game. Second because, game he played in. Yeah. They, yeah. The first game was a Patriots game that just got their ass with. Yeah. Second game he played for like five minutes. Yeah. And and still only really lost count. the game by two points to the Seahawks. That, so that didn't really count. He didn't play that game. No, he he went out like at halftime. Like he, no, he, it was earlier than that. It was the first half. Of I'll that have game. to go back and double check that. That's I, I mean, it was like the it was first like quarter of that game. Uh, McKinnon jumps in. He said, "What about the defense? Fortunately for both Juju and James, they can get on anywhere they want in the league for a decent salary. I don't know about James, but yeah, Juju for sure. Yeah, James, um, James won't get paid, but that's fine. He'll yeah. go somewhere. Uh, he said uh, Pittsburgh might have just shot themselves in the foot for two of their best offensive players. Maybe they're two best. And yeah, that's exactly oh, no, what we're talking. They about. are their two best offensive so, players. That's so, not debatable." Why would they? Why would they do this? Like, I, I don't have a good answer for why you would even discuss this. Like, if that's you're the, the the owner, why? That's that's the difference. All right, Daddy Rooney was an unbelievable owner and respected with everybody in the world that had anything to do with football and 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 everything. Uh, I don't know that the sons are always going to be that. Okay, I mean, I, I think we can don't. look at Jerry Jones and and say the same thing, right? Like it, the Jones kids, it's kind of the same. I don't thing. know. They seem to be doing a pretty good job running yeah, that front they're, office. They're okay, but they're, I mean, I don't, I don't think they're going to be what their dad is. And I, that's not to say that their dad is anything fantastic. Like Art well, Rooney was completely well, I, different. They were smart enough to take the draft picks away from him when he wanted to go out and spend a fortune on Johnny Manziel. So that's true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, I mean, <laughs> they've it. done, they've done a better job than I think most, most kids who've taken over franchises have um, at an early age. I just, I don't know, man. I'm I'm gonna. I I, I don't. This doesn't make a lot of sense. To me. You know what I feel about Ben Roethlisberger as yeah. a character and a leader. Forget about his abilities on the football field. Character and leadership. I I I. There's there's ten million people in the world I trust at a, at a leadership before I trust Ben Roethlisberger. Okay. Yeah. And when a couple of Last year, after Antonio and, and Le'Veon were gone, because both of those guys seem to be knuckleheads, we assume that, well, we got all the problems out of the locker room, and they've openly said the only leader we need in that room is Ben Roethlisberger. And as soon as they said that, I knew this team is no longer a threat anymore. Yeah, They're, they're just – I don't care the amount of talent and athletes they got. If that's the only leader you have in a locker room, I'll take my chances with any opponent they play. Yeah, that, it's, that it's, guy can't lead anybody. It's a problem. It's a it's a major problem, major major problem. And that um, came from the owner. That came from the general manager. And that came from the coach. And I that's know. where the organization has changed the values that the Steelers used to have. As a Steelers fan, it does not make me feel good. I will say that. No, I, I'm so. I'm going to tell you, it's a it's going to be a weird world. But if they don't fix the quarterback position at some point in time you are going to start seeing the Steelers in DFL and the Bengals and the Browns working their way up. Yeah, I don't mean they're competing for Super Bowls, but in that division, the the, the golden black is going to be in the toilet pretty soon if they don't fix the quarterback. Yeah, 
I, uh, Defenses can only do so much for so long. At yeah. some point in time, every offense figures them out. You uh, you are a hundred percent right. Let's uh, let's go ahead and switch topics. Next one up, the Tennessee Volunteers are the hottest thing going in college football recruiting right now. My question to you. Should Tennessee fans be excited about Jeremy Pruitt's early recruiting success? They've had 100%. 17 they've had 17 commits, two five stars, four four stars, 11 three stars. They are currently ranked number 3 in the national recruiting rankings over at 247 Sports. But as it sits today, it is May 4th. National Signing Day is not until December. Uh this all looks great and everything. I want to hear your thoughts first and then I'll talk after. Well, as of right now, currently, yes, they should be excited. Why would they not be excited right now? That's what recruiting is, Should they look at it and be upset? Should they look at it and think, oh, here we go, another great recruiting class early? Why would we? No, just be happy for what you got and move on. I don't understand any reason to be anything other than that. No, I I agree with that sentiment, right? That You need the hope, right? That's what recruiting does. It gives you hope about your football program you're headed in the right direction, et cetera. Now, I do love Jeremy Pruitt, and you know that. Um, I don't know but that. It, how long have we been doing this show? Because you're about to bring up a bunch of stuff that has nothing to do with Jeremy Pruitt. So, Well, look, so Huey jumps in. He said, Tennessee has won the past 10 straight pre- – yeah, that's, let's get out of this. Uh, oh, McKinnon did jump in and said, Cam to the Steelers. Yeah, we've talked about that before. Yeah, I think that would be a very wise yeah, I don't know why the Steelers part. haven't done that yet. Yeah, I mean, it, it, needs, it needs to get – well, it may just be on Cam. Well, Cam doesn't want to be a backup, and they need to say, you can come in and it'll be a legit competition, but they don't want to do that. They don't want to embarrass Ben by having Cam come in there and beat him out. Exactly. Uh, Huey said, every year Tennessee has a great class and falls flat. That's not true. That's just not true. Here's here's what they got in the last week alone. They got five-star outside linebacker Terrence Lewis. They got five-star defensive end Dylan Brooks, four-star running back Cody Brown, four-star wide receiver Julian Nixon, and four-star safety Kamara Wilcoxon. Now, these are all incredibly highly rated players. They're all top 100 kids. This is a fantastic thing. If I were a Tennessee fan, I would be wary, and here is the reason. Because dating back to even before Butch Jones, you have had perennial top 15 classes recruiting every single year. They had a top 10 recruiting class that by their junior season won zero games in the SEC. They had five-star kids that didn't make it to school or whatever. So that's where I'm I'm wary of it. Recruiting is a hopeful thing, right? You you use it to build up your pride in your institution in the offseason. It gives you hope for the coming season. Even though these guys are not going to step foot on campus until 2021, it still gives you uh it, it makes you happy, it makes you proud, it gets you excited about what's coming in the future. I like Jeremy Pruitt. I think he is a fantastic recruiter. He has kept going the same kind of recruiting that Butch Jones has. However, we have seen it for so long that I don't know what to make of it. I I would like to think that these are different kinds of kids that they've got. However, I'm in the wait-and-see approach, and I don't know if I'm crazy. I'm not a Tennessee fan. But okay. I'm, I'm waiting to see because when I would look in the past and see this, I would think, okay, 
they have got some really good kids coming in. And now I say they got really good kids coming in. And once, I, and it, once again, you're not a Tennessee fan. So why should they be weary at all of something that might happen in 2021 and those kids won't really be relevant till 2022 when they're sophomores and actually trying to play? Yeah, and that's the thing. McKinnon jumps so be in. Excited. No, it's okay to be excited. Yeah, why, why should you be wary of something that might not work out two years from now? Is it okay to, to that's continue? That's a terrible way to live life. No, no, no. Is it okay to continue to be excited about things and be uh, happy about things when you have seen it, like the same thing happen over and over and you keep getting the same results? Like the same that, thing hasn't that, happened. They haven't finished three. We've had this conversation so many times. I don't know why we have to keep going. They've the finished number between four. a top three recruiting class and a top 15 recruiting class is, is from here to Texas. Hold on. They had a top four recruiting class not that long ago. Hold on. I, okay. I, 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 will, I will find it for you. But no, that's, that's the thing is you have seen this from Tennessee before. And – it, no, but you you and I know. <laughs> I'm really I'm really getting you uh, worked up today. Well, because you contradict yourself so much, and it's it it, it it's getting to a point where I guess it's driving me insane. I'm sorry, and I shouldn't be like this. But you you're the one that comes on here and says you have to have multiple years of good recruiting classes. You can't just have a number one recruiting class year and then have a 15 recruiting class year and a 10 recruiting class year and be any good in the SEC. You get your ass whipped because you're not deep enough. Yeah. Okay. They, you've, they had said a, yourself, you've said it yourself. If you don't yes. have four top five recruiting classes in a row, then you can't compete. You've said it. So having one, yes, you can't have five or four if you don't have one. Agreed. So get one and get excited. And if you get another one, then you keep being excited. And you get another one and you keep being excited. And if you have one and then next year you fall to 20, then you can have a problem. But they, don't don't worry about it until then. They had number 10 last year. That, that ain't three. In, no, 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 it's not. In 2019, they had number 13. In 2018, let's see, that was Pruitt's first year. 2018, they were 21. So they're moving in the right direction. 2017, uh, let's see, that was Butch's last year. They had number 17. That was actually Pruitt's first season. Um, first year on the job, anyway. First year on the job, but not first year recruiting. 2016, they had... Let's see. Number Nothing 14. matters at 2016 because none of those kids are there anymore. In 2015, 2015, they were number four nationally, number two in the SEC, and had two five stars, had a bunch of four stars, and I mean, let's see, 20. Let's see, Alvin Kamara was in that class in 2015, and 2018 would have been their last year. That last season, 2018. They had, what, two two wins in the SEC? So, now, understandably, that was a coaching change. What I'm saying is, you can get the great-rated kids, and that's awesome. But they, they haven't been getting the great-rated kids. That's the... You, They've had nothing but top 20 classes, and most of them have been top 15 and top 10. And I understand it's in the SEC. I get that. What I, what I have said in the past is, you have to have multiple top 10 classes to compete for a national championship. Correct. Right. Well, if you're if you can't compete in the SEC, you can't compete for a national title. Right. Right. 
Because all the national title contenders are in the SEC. But what they have had is highly rated kids that haven't amounted to anything at all. That's where it becomes an issue. So if if I'm a Tennessee fan, yeah, you, you get excited. Um, Hang on. Two five-stars. How many five-stars does Clemson have? Alabama have. Ohio State. LSU. See, you can't have two five-stars and say, well, but that was they were ranked, you know, 10, top 10. That's really good. No, it's not. They're ranked top 10 because they have a shitload of four and three stars. All right? But but how many of those four stars are really three stars? Well, and and they were just graded incorrectly. And, and that's where I'm – five-star talent or you can't win. That's where I'm trying to figure this out is because they have got – There's nothing to figure out. Look at the stars. No. Hold on. Hold on. This, this hold isn't on. a complex thing. Should they be excited? Yes. Be excited. Anytime something positive happens for your school – be excited. That's okay. No, it's the, all right to be excited. Right, right, right. But uh, jumping into whether or not, like the the five stars, whatever, they got two five stars this go round, right? So far, okay. they've got four four stars. That's that's not a ton, but that's all right. That's, cool. that's all right. They've got eleven three stars. They've already got seventeen kids in this class. Yeah, that's why they're ranked where they're ranked, and right. none of those kids are going to matter when it comes to really doing something in the SEC. And you know that. Those, th- those 11 three-stars will help you beat South Carolina and Kentucky and Missouri. Yeah. They will. They're not going to help you beat Bama. They're not going to help you beat Georgia. They're not going to help you beat Florida. Yeah. You're right. You're 100% right. You're 100% right. So be right. excited. But the expectation – here's the problem, Gary. You have expectations of what you think a college, a successful school should look like because you're a Bama fan. Okay. And you refuse to see outside of that. Oh, that's not right? true because I also know that LSU is insanely successful, and they are. Yes, they they build it the same way. Clemson builds that. it the same not, way. Yeah, State, but, I, I'm an LSU fan, but I also see that there's different levels of success, and there's different things that it's okay to be excited about. Every school is not playing the same game, and that's okay. True, but Tennessee and Florida are playing the same game. I mean, they are literally they're, they're neck just and not. neck. They're just not. How how are they not? They are recruiting the exact same level of athlete. Like how how is it not the same? The all right, the same. All right, by that standard, Butch Jones and Urban Meyer are the same because they've got the same head coaches. The same. The, uh, because they got the They're same not athletes. The same because one school has one of the top four or five best coaches in the history of college football run their program for ten years, and the other one had a moron run it for four, and then a moron before that run it for four. Yeah, yeah. They're not the same because the organizations haven't made good hires, and that's fine. That's okay. You're going to miss hiring. That's all right. That's going to happen. You were this close to getting Dan Mullen. You really were. Yeah. I mean, if, if like Florida, you, you almost made a hell of a hire, and it just got pulled out for money. But there's nothing you can do about that. If you offer the same guy, and the other school gets him, you're not playing on the same field. Why'd he go there for the same amount of money? Because it ain't more money at Florida than Tennessee. Hell, they don't have close no, to the athletic it's, budget. It's not. Tennessee it's has. not even close. You're right. But why did so? Why does he choose Florida over Tennessee? Better run organization. Yeah, but you're right. No, it's not. No, it's not recruiting because I can walk outside in the state of Florida and guess what? Well, that's a shit, yes, one hundred percent. There's a shitload of three stars that are really four stars, but because all the kids are so good in the state of Florida, then I can give them all four star grades. True, 
Okay. Yeah, you can you, see you're not finding that. So you, you be have excited, a valid point. Be happy. That's not your competition. Yeah, but it. I mean, you. But it's not. It's not Gary. It is the competition. Like that's you. If you're a Tennessee fan, you are wanting to beat. Like that's who your goal is to beat every Correct. year is Florida that's and Georgia and Alabama. Yes, you should be trying to beat those schools. You absolutely should be trying to beat those schools. But if you were to go nine and three. Okay, when you've been in the toilet for a long time, nine and three and losing to Alabama, Florida, and and Georgia, it ain't so bad. While it sucks because you hate those schools, it really isn't the end of the world. And I, every Tennessee fan I got would take it. Okay, okay. So uh, basically, we're setting expectation levels for what Tennessee should be. Uh, it sucks good that with. their rival, their two biggest rivals, are two of the best, three of the best schools in not just the SEC but in the country. That's, that's tough. That yeah. sucks. That is you are correct. Auburn Auburn's got the same pill to swallow. That's a, Matt jumped in with that. He said uh he said does Tennessee just have to accept that they will be a middle of the road SEC team, get some good wins, lose random games and finish bowl eligible. If, uh, it, if they can every year beat one of pull an upset against a Bama, a Georgia and an Auburn and win all the rest of their games, their fans will call those successful seasons for a while. Now, at some point in time, they'll want to make that jump. But after what they've lived through for the last 20 years, yeah, no, yeah. they'll take that. They'll I, take I that think, win all day long. I think you've got a valid point. Um, but it's the difference between expectations. So should they be excited? Yes, because you can't get there unless you unless you recruit. But you and me, people who look at this stuff intelligently, not – Rabbit fans of one fan base, of one school, but know how this works. A number three ranking doesn't mean anything to me. Not right now. Tell me how you got it. Oh, two five stars and 23, you know, three stars. Yeah, I don't care about your ranking anymore. Yeah. I no longer care about your ranking because I know the difference between a five star and a three star. Uh, McKinnon jumped in and said Tennessee needs to focus on winning in the SEC East, and then if they can accomplish that, uh, win the SEC as a whole. Once that's done, you're competing on a national stage. They might have to settle until then. Yeah, I mean, that's, it, what I'm, that's exactly it's the what same I'm thing. saying. We're yeah. on the same page. Yeah, and I, I, I think I agree with you. I think my, so where I got confused even in my own question is the difference between excited and expectation, right? So yeah. get excited about this. Uh, and, and for me, obviously not as a Tennessee fan, I'm in the wait-and-see approach. But for now, yes, be excited because you have beaten some big-time programs for these kids. It's not like Alabama and Georgia didn't want these guys. No, I mean, no. And they pulled them from the state of Georgia. They pulled yeah. them away from Georgia, Georgia. Alabama, and Florida. LSU, Clemson. These are places that were all recruiting these kids. Yes. And you got them. That's yes. a good, you can't beat them on the field until you beat them in recruiting. You are correct. Because if you're not going after the same kids, then you're not then you're not going after the right kids. No, a hundred percent. I mean, we know that, right? This is how this thing works. Oh, yes. hundred percent. All right. But that's it. I mean, this is why I hate the rain. It's why people do the same thing for Michigan all the time. Oh, Michigan's got a top ten class. Why can't they beat Ohio State? Because Ohio State has a top one or two class, not top ten. There's a big difference. And how'd they get that top ten? Oh, they got a shitload of three stars. Yeah, and somebody said, "Look how good this recruiting class is." Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I, I agree with you. I, I don't agree. like volume of 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 three and under stars giving you your your recruiting ranking. I'm not I'm not okay with that. Matt on YouTube said, "Save this show and replay it in three years." 
I'm with you. I, I, I totally get what you're saying. I mean, I, you, anything that happened before Pruitt, I can't speak to because they had complete foolery at the quarterback position, at the head coaching situation. Well, both really. Well, but you fair. can't have a good quarterback if you don't have a good head coach. I mean, now, that you, guy's just – it matters too much in college football. It, it just matters too much. It most certainly does, especially nowadays when things have changed uh, so, so very much. The offenses are completely different now than they used to be. And I just – anything that happened with Butch Jones or anybody before them until you get to Phil Former, I, I don't care. I don't, yeah. You bring all of the numbers you want. It doesn't matter. Flush them all down the toilet because they had an idiot running the place. Yeah. I, I so think, it, don't, it, I just, so right. it doesn't matter. And Butch Jones, like him, love him, hate him, whatever, he might not be the greatest coach in the world. He's a really good coach, though. He's a hell of a lot better than anything they've had up till this point. Yeah, he, he was definitely better than, uh, than Derek Dooley. Uh, but he did. He lost that program in that last season, and that's not to say it wasn't time to uh, to let him go. Uh, you needed you needed a different voice. Um, I think having Phil Fulmer as your athletic director probably helps out the football program more than it does any other program on that campus. Oh yeah. Uh, and and I think you'll see you'll see the differences. So I mean, obviously they went eight and five last year. Uh, that's that's a welcome change. You know they they were winning nine games a year under under Butch. Two years yeah, before but, the last year, uh, but when it all went downhill, I mean, it it really went in a crater. And I mean, it's tough to get back. What Pruitt did last year was really, really impressive. Yep. Uh, y- you lose early, but finding a way to come back later and and find a way to win, even not though you're having those kids quit on the program and let them keep fighting, that yeah. was a big deal. That was, that was definitely a big deal. A big deal. Definitely a big deal. Um, all right, let's go ahead and jump into the last topic here: the NFC West draft recap. And we'll uh we'll try not to take too terribly long on this, um, but we'll we'll go on and, and run through them: the Forty ers Seahawks, Rams, and the Cardinals. Here, first things first. Uh, let's go ahead and dive into the San Francisco Forty ers Um, they needed a wide receiver, a cornerback, and a um, an offensive line help. Their win total right now is set at ten and a half. Now, this is the losing Super Bowl team. Uh, typically, the losing Super Bowl team doesn't even make the playoffs the next year. Right. So, they're they're fighting against a, a big curse, I would say. Um, and I normally believe in that, too. I follow that. But I it's there's logic behind it, which is usually it's so hard to get to a Super Bowl. You've kind of went all in on a season to do that. The 49ers didn't. They were in a rebuild, and the rebuild happened about a year or two before they oh, kind of yeah. thought it was going to happen. Well, their their defense was so disruptive, and their running game uh, became such a – like they didn't necessarily need the quarterback to be great like most teams do. They just needed the quarterback to be serviceable. Yes. And the offense and that was designed by Kyle Shanahan – really showed out in spades all year last year. Yep. Um, now, they only had five draft picks. They had no picks in rounds two through four, but let's go ahead and run through. Two first, though, and that helped. Yeah, had two in the first. Uh, now, they traded back up into the first, but um, let's go ahead. And, they, no, they had oh, no, no, two. No, no, they had two. They had two because they, they traded with uh, with Indianapolis. Before, they traded forward for, uh, for a first-round pick for the Colts. You got it. So, let's go ahead and run through those right quick. Uh, defensive lineman Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina was number one pick, number 14. Number 25 pick in the first round, wide receiver Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State. 
In round five, they got offensive tackle Colton McKivitz out of West Virginia. They got uh, tight end Charlie Warner out of Georgia in round six. And they got, and this is a hell of a pickup, in my opinion, wide receiver Jawan Jennings uh, at pick 217 in the seventh round out of Tennessee. Now, obviously, Jennings had some behavioral issues, I guess you could say. He was suspended for a season from the Tennessee football team. Uh, when Butch Jones was there, he got readmitted and put back on the team under Jeremy Pruitt, etc. Uh, Talent-wise, I mean, it, the kid is unbelievable. And and I think that he has fixed his uh, his issues. So well, he's a late round flyer. If he hadn't, and, yeah. he, and he and he's an, an idiot again, it's you easy got him to in cut the seventh. Him. It didn't cost you anything. This is what you should be taking instead of punters and kickers and long snappers. Yes, uh, I was a little bit surprised that they went with Ken Law at number fourteen because on the board you still had CD Lamb and you still had Jerry Judy. Uh, yeah, I, I was really wanting them to take one of those two guys. Um, I think they fell into the idea of, okay, Ken Law is really, really high on our vertical board. A, this guy is a monster. Yeah. I mean, he, so, he really is a beast. Oh, sorry, the horizontal board. Uh, he's he's unbelievable. He's He had to be really, really high on their board. And I think they fell into the trap of, hey, there are a ton of really good wide receivers in this draft, and we yep. know that we can get one at our 25th pick as opposed so, to waiting around. Like, it's there to there were here. reports from... Um, one of the guys from the NFL Network was on like the the Zoom call or whatever with so a couple of these different programs allowed like one reporter to be on the call with them while they went through their whole draft and watched them. So one of the guys from the NFL Network was like that. I don't God, I wish I'd remember the guy's name. I give him credit for it. He said that listening to Lynch and and uh, and Kyle talking that uh, Brandon Akun was their number one receiver. Brandon Ayuk, really? Ayuk, yeah, Ayuk, sorry. He said that they had him ranked and graded higher than everyone else on the board, and he said that's something that you see teams say publicly after they've taken the guy, but he said, I'm telling you, when that draft pick came up, they knew they weren't taking any of those top-tier guys because they didn't have them graded at that place. And they thought, He's going to be there with our next pick, and we'll just take him then. Let's let's replace the defensive guy that we traded away for a rookie deal contract guy we think can be just as good. That's a that's a valid point. So Kim you Law, save a shitload of money financially yeah. to replace the position you just replaced, and they don't think you know maybe after a year of learning the game in the NFL a little bit, they've gone backwards at all and they still got their number one guy. I thought that was a little strange. It makes me worried because I don't think uh, Ayuk is is anywhere close to those guys. Um, and 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 I like I said, I, I had T. Higgins above him too that went in the second behind him. Um, but it's kind of hard to argue with Kyle because he's done this for a long time. I think it, maybe he's grading based on potential like it, I I don't I don't or, or maybe it's because, you know, Brandon Ayuk played with Manny Wilkins, you know, for however long. Uh sure. you know, exactly what kind of quarterback play was he getting? And obviously you see what can happen when you don't have a lot of competency at the quarterback position as we talked about with Juju Smith-Schuster, right? His numbers absolutely dropped. Well, yeah. maybe Brandon Ayuk is just as good as Juju Smith, and 
This is just talking. That's right. But maybe he is insanely good. I mean, we got to figure out how Kyle got there. Yes. I'll tell you. I want to know how he grades. Any any other OC, head offensive-minded head coach, general manager does this pick, I'm really questioning them. Kyle is the Kyle and Bruce Arians are the two offensive minded coaches that I kind of just trust if they say we have this guy graded as this and we think everybody else is wrong. Um, but that was the logic behind how they got the first because I wanted them to take CD or yeah. Judy. You know that. I mean, you've had that conversation. Oh yeah. Um, and and when they took Ayuk, my first thought was. Uh, just disappointment. Just man, that sucks. This is this is not even close to one of the guys that I thought they I wanted to see in this offense. But 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 I could easily be wrong. I'm kind of hoping wrong. Uh, McKinnon jumped in. He said, "So which is the problem here? Shanahan coaching in big games or Garoppolo's playing big games? There's obviously a shortcoming somewhere in that system." That, listen, listen, listen. They, they lost in the, the Super Bowl, in Atlanta. Okay, like, he's a, you're, this is a guy that was butthurt because his Falcons had a massive comeback, and your head coach had a whole hell of a lot to do with how they ran that offense. All right, not Kyle. Yeah, yeah, I think I uh, yeah I agree. Now, I mean, I obviously there, there were issues last year. But, and losing to the Chiefs, losing to Patrick Mahomes is nothing to to hang your head about. And you just got beat, all right? You yeah. got beat by somebody who is a god at football. Yeah. I mean, he was just he was just better. There's nothing you can do about that. He was just better. This is not a big game collapse because Aaron Rodgers came in and played a big game, and they beat their ass. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, they, they got to the Super Bowl. Like at what point is that like a and they a weren't even supposed to be anywhere near the Super Bowl yet in this rebuild? Not if yet. You said two years ago that this team was going to play in the Super Bowl in two years, but and let's say get your ass whipped, just get beat like a drum, like don't even deserve to be there. Every 49ers fan would be like, "Take it, yeah, take it." McKinnon, in two years, it's going to happen. Take it. McKinnon said, uh, "Worst night of my life on a multitude of levels." Talking about that Falcons. Patriots game, yeah. One of the most frustrating nights of my life. I, I can't say it was a great one. It, uh, Yeah, I can understand that from It was a great two hours, but it was a terrible five to six hours. <laughs> let's, uh, let's go ahead and jump into the Seattle Seahawks. Um, nine wins is their over-under for the season on uh, Vegas odds right now. They needed offensive line, defensive line, and edge rusher help. So basically, trenches. And with their first pick, they went with Jordan Brooks at pick number 27 out of Texas Tech. And it surprised basically everybody, even everybody. though we, we shouldn't have been surprised. Because Pete they Carroll do this every year. Getting, Pete Carroll is getting Bill Belichick-ish. He doesn't trade out of the first. But has that guy ever drafted somebody in the first round where everybody was like, yeah, that's the, uh, who is that guy? Yeah. Who I mean, did we take? What? Huh? It's it's very strange. Uh, according to now, Pro he Football Focus, always hits on these dudes. Yeah, Pro Football Focus said uh, he was their sixty fourth ranked prospect. Um, you know, from the from a run defense perspective, ninety one point five run defense grade in twenty nineteen. Uh, he's one of the best linebackers in the class as far as that is uh, concerned. He's not someone who's going to play all that well in space or make plays in coverage. And I mean, you're having to deal with. Uh, with with uh, uh, Kittle and and guys like I mean, 
not good in coverage. The have you watched the NFL the last two to three years? Yeah. If you got, you a, got a linebacker that can't cover somebody, you can't play anymore, man. No. And I, I guess I, I can understand it. Like if he's great in run coverage, well, yeah, you're playing the 49ers twice, but they've also got Kittle. So if you take well, away the and run Debo and and yeah, you got all kind of stuff. That another receiver that Kyle Shanahan seems to think is amazing. So yeah, but <laughs> I don't think you're, and then you also have to compete with the Rams and Sean McVay, who was the golden goose a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, so, it, it, I, yes, if I'm in this division, I want to draft defensive guys because I have to deal with those two cats. Okay. Yeah. Be clear. I like drafting defensive guys. I, once again, this is almost the same conversation with Pete as I had with Kyle on defense. And I have this with Bill all the time. I don't know who the hell our first pick is ever going to be, but I know this. I just trust that the guy might do well because he knows more than because I of the do. system. Like he I, knows yeah. more than I do. But you just named things that are flaws that I would think would take you out of being able to play at the NFL level as a linebacker, much less be taken in the first round. Yeah. Uh, now day two, they moved up to take Tennessee's Daryl Taylor. Uh, an edge rusher out of Tennessee, yeah. uh, you know, okay. Like, it, I, th- I think it was a little bit of a reach, but again, it might fit into their scheme. It might fit what they're wanting to do. He uh, he turned it on down the stretch of the 2019 season, earned an SEC high 89.6 rushing grade from week seven through the end of the year. Uh, going forward to the NFL, Taylor projects as someone who will be a solid starter, but even though we're higher on him than most, this is pro football focus. Uh, this was still a little early for him to come off the board, especially given the trade up to get him. I, he still would have been there. Like yeah. I, I just, I don't, I can't, I, I don't. I, like I said, I, Pete confuses me. But he, I look at, I've kind of seen the Seahawks drafts a lot like the Patriots drafts. If you want to be like an organization, listen, just because he's bad at drafting doesn't mean you have to be bad at drafting. Okay, yeah, no, that's be true. like him and all the other things. Try to draft better and you can beat them. <laughs> because this is this is exactly like the, this is exactly like a Patriots draft, except he wasn't smart enough to trade out in the first. McKinnon said, uh, I mean, hasn't the Seahawks MO been all about having linebackers stop the run and make the defensive backs cover everyone? Yeah, yeah but, but I think the game is changing, dude. I it's don't know completely that you can, different. That that has been the MO. Tight ends are way too athletic, and slot guys are getting matched up on linebackers now because of defensive schemes and offensive schemes. I'm yeah. just telling you, that scares the shit out of me if you can't cover anymore because you're just asking for some little guy or some crazy athletic tight end to just eat you alive in the middle of the field. Oh, 100%. The middle That's... of the field is the only place in the NFL that is still wide open all day already against good linebackers. If you put somebody who can't cover in the middle of the field – it's two offensive geniuses are going to just chew it up relentlessly. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, let's go ahead and run through the rest of their draft. Round three, they got interior offensive lineman Damian Lewis out of LSU. Round four, they got tight end Colby Parkinson out of Stanford, who I think could actually end up being pretty good. Uh, probably going to the, be the replacement. You're getting to the best player that they drafted, in my opinion. Uh, round four, they got DJ Dallas out of Miami. That's my and, guy. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think he's going to be just fine. I think they he, have they have problems with running backs staying healthy, 
if if they could get a hot young guy, this is what they do every year. They draft a running back at some point in time. Yeah. And and the next year that kid is, you know, a top ten running back in the NFL. Yeah. I mean they they just keep them rotating in and out and right. you always got fresh legs. Uh, round five, they got edge rusher Alton Robinson out of Syracuse. They got uh, wide receiver Freddie Swain from Florida in round six. And then round seven, they took tight end out of LSU. Not who you would think. This is the frustrating pick of my life. Steven Sullivan, who... When I saw a tight end at LSU, I got ecstatic. Yeah, and, and then you see it's not who you were thinking. It not wasn't... My boy, not my boy Thaddeus. It wasn't Moss. Um, it was Steven Sullivan, who, you know, did... Played fairly well, but he's he fine. I don't know yet. Listen, for what Brian Shanahan likes to run, uh, Sullivan's probably going to be really good because yeah, he's the better blocking tight end. Yeah, I, I and he, and he's fine and he's fine. He's not garbage, but there's a reason he went in the seventh round late. I yeah, mean, uh, sixth round wide receiver Freddie Swain out of Florida. Um, only had like twenty some odd catches last year. Uh, he caught the the hail mary two years ago against Tennessee. He is a big body that can go up and get it. I mean, yeah. he is. Big, and he can fly. Way, like he's, he's super fast. Way bigger than Thaddeus. Way bigger than Thaddeus. What's he? What, how, how tall is this guy? He's like 6'4", I think, if I'm not mistaken. Thaddeus is like 6'2". The LSU program has him at 6'2". So, that, yeah. like 6'0". He, he, he might be like 6'1". Uh, Freddie Swain, however, let's see. He is, uh, let's see, NFL.com is pulling up the uh, the drafting combine profile right now. Um yeah, I mean that, you know, we'll we'll see. I think he's a bigger guy. Uh, no, Freddie Swain's at six foot, one hundred ninety seven pounds. Per, per the uh, per the combine, I don't care about Freddie. Oh, you're talking about uh, Stephen Sullivan, um, as opposed to Thaddeus. Uh, Stephen Sullivan, uh, he's six five. Yeah, he's he's a bigger guy. Yeah, he's much bigger than Thaddeus. Six five, two forty eight. So blocking tight end, you know, way bigger. Um, and and actually, I mean, he caught a he caught a touchdown pass against Alabama. He, you know, all kind of stuff. But no, 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 he he was not bad. But you're right; he only had twenty receptions, some twenty something receptions throughout the year. You know, he's just not not who I was thinking when I saw tight end from LSU got drafted late. In not this not draft. who you would think would uh, would take a flyer on a draft pick. Uh, yeah. But overall, I, what we didn't do with the 49ers is whether or not we liked the uh, the Forty ers draft. It, I think you can't help but like the Forty ers draft. Um, I do I do like the 49ers draft. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. only had five picks. They took flyers basically round five through seven. Uh, and the first two picks, I think, were good. So I like uh, both. Well, I liked one of their picks. I don't like the other, but they got a guy making the decision that knows a hell of a lot more about offense than I do. Yeah, as far as the Seahawks go, since we are on the Seahawks right now. Uh, I don't I, know that I like any of these. <laughs> I, 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 like D, I like DJ. Yeah, I, like I, I I like – how about this? I don't like the draft in as much as I – nobody really knows much about these guys and whether or not they will be useful going forward because they weren't like, – If we look back three years from now and none of these guys are any good in the NFL, are you going to be surprised? No. Uh, but I will say this. I do trust the Seahawks organization to be able to make these guys into useful NFL players. I agree with that. I, no, so, not not disagreeing with so that. So I, I don't. It's not. I don't like the draft, but I don't know that I ever liked the Seahawks drafts. So, I just I just felt like your first couple of picks, you you had a chance to take far superior talent than you took. Yeah, I I agree. 
Just my opinion, though. I agree. Um, with that Play said, let's uh, Play Seattle running backs a whole lot. <laughs> you always do. You always do. Let's uh, let's go ahead and move into the next round. The next little thing, um, the Los Angeles Rams. They're over under right now is eight and a half, according to Vegas odds. They needed offensive line help, linebacker help, and running back help. Um. Look, they didn't have a first-round pick. They traded that away to get uh, the cornerback out of Jacksonville. Um, but they did have two second-round picks. They had two third-round picks. They had a fourth, a sixth, and three in the seventh. So you can always find a way to get draft picks if you need them. And Los Angeles definitely needed them. They did not have a lot of capital. They don't have a lot of uh, free agency cap room. So this was how they were going to be able to replenish their roster. And I, you know, let, let's, how about this? I'll roll through all of them real quick, and then we'll, uh, then we'll jump into it. Round two, number 52 pick, they got running back Cam Akers out of Florida State. Round two, number 57, they got wide receiver Van Jefferson out of Florida. Round three, 84th, they got edge rusher Terrell Lewis out of Alabama. Number 104, in the third round, they got safety Terrell Burgess out of Utah. Obviously a big fan of that pick. Uh, round four, tight end Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue. Uh, round six, they got safety Jordan Fuller out of Ohio State. Round seven, they got three picks. Linebacker Clay Johnston out of Baylor. Kicker Sam Sloman out of Miami of Ohio. And offensive tackle, uh, offensive tackle, excuse me, Tremaine Ankrum out of Clemson. Um, I, okay, so let, let's grade their first round pick as Jalen Ramsey. I think that's good. I mean, I, I, if, you can, if you can trade a pick to get Jalen Ramsey, somebody that's established and whatnot, okay. You're still going to have to trade. Yeah, now you got to pay him or he's yeah. gone. So you yeah. traded the first round pick for a guy that's going to be on your team for two years. Congratulations. Or or you got to pay him, right? Or so, you got to pay him, but they have no cap room. So, yeah. Uh, running back Cam Akers and wide receiver Van Jefferson, Florida State and Florida, both in the second round. Van Jefferson, I think they reached a little bit on. I was incredibly surprised that they took him as early as they did. Uh, but they must have been super sold on him, and, and who am I to judge uh, Sean McVay on offensive talent, right? Uh, Cam Akers, I was a little bit shocked that he fell all the way to 52. The kid is an absolute... He is the only reason that Florida State was able to go to a bowl game last year. He he was their offense for two years running. The kid this is, is unbelievable. not a knock on Cam. I like Cam a lot. I For a team that has... Very little draft capital this year, next year, and the following year, and no cap space at all to sign anybody. Running back is not a position I would be drafting. Uh, maybe I just maybe think not that early. You drafted one last year in the third round that everyone thought was going to be the heir apparent to Todd Gurley. I know you had him in, the, in your in your class for a year, the boy from Memphis, but like, is are you done with him or not? Because why are you spending draft capital on a guy? that you need other positions and you you you're gonna have to fill this roster at some point in time. Yes. Yes you are. Yes you are. And you have no money and you don't really have any premium picks. Yeah. I'm not taking it but you know how I feel about running back. No, well, I, I, take, I, I, I totally the understand. very first pick in the draft. I don't care where it falls. The fact that it was late in the second round is your fault. Yes. Uh third round edge rusher Terrell Lewis out of Alabama and safety Terrell Burgess out of uh, Utah, I like both of these picks. Terrell Lewis, when healthy, that's the biggest caveat here, when he's healthy, is an absolute monster on the edge. 
He can get to the quarterback better than anybody that was on Alabama's team over the last two seasons. Uh, he helped win. Like, he was the biggest reason they won the national championship in 2017. You know, it, it just depends on whether or not he's healthy. Now, he played all of last season. He missed almost two full seasons before that. That's where the issue comes in. Um, he's a third-round guy, I think, mainly because of injury, and you don't know whether or not you can count on him to be healthy. But if he's healthy, he's got a high motor. He can get in there. Like, he, he missed one season due to a, a fluke bicep tear or whatever it was, and then the next year was like a pectoral tear. Like, it just crazy random stuff that you don't know whether it's going to be long-term or not. Now, obviously, he came back last year, had a monster season at Alabama. I mean, it led the team in sacks, like all this different kind of stuff. So, he, I think Terrell Lewis can be really, really good. Terrell Burgess, safety out of Utah, phenomenal pick. Uh, you know, you and I both love safeties in today's NFL defenses, right? It, it is an incredibly underappreciated position because they dictate how the defense works. If you're the Rams, you need defensive help. I mean, the the Bucks came in and hung 55 on you last year in your house. Like, you need some defensive help, especially going against the offenses in the rest of this division. I think this was a really, really good pick, and, and they got some value with this one. I, I think Burgess is phenomenal. He made plays all over the field for Utah. He is great in run support. He is great in coverage. Uh, the guy is a little bit undersized, but I think he's going to be fantastic. Um, I, I like Terrell Burgess a ton. Uh, round four, Bryson Hopkins out of Purdue. Stereotypical, uh, big, you know, bulky tight end that can catch the ball if you need him to, but he can be used more as a blocker. So if you're going to try and utilize Cam Akers and Darrell Henderson's speed and athleticism, you're going to use that guy a lot. So I, I would, I like that pick. You got safety Jordan Fuller out of Ohio State. I don't think he's as good as Terrell Burgess, but still good safety out of Ohio State. And then your seventh-round flyers, all from really well-coached teams, uh, Miami of Ohio, Baylor, and Clemson, all teams that won their division, all teams that won their conference. You got linebacker Clay Johnston out of Baylor, kicker Sam Sloman, who was actually really good. Like, I, I... You know me. I bet on Miami of Ohio a lot last year. Not a lot. At, multiple times. So I did actually watch Miami of Ohio multiple times last year. Uh, and then offensive tackle Tremaine Ankrum out of Clemson. You know, these are all good guys to take flyers on from pick 234 through 250. Uh, I don't know that they're going to be great. I don't know that they're even going to be good. But they're seventh-round picks. Uh, I like what the Rams did in the draft, especially later. I, I don't like the idea of taking a running back with your first pick early in the second round. Uh, and Van Jefferson, you know, seemed like a bit of a reach for a wide receiver late in the second round. But rounds three through seven, like, I think it was totally fine. So I, I'll, I'll say that I like what they did. Um, um, I like I like Cam Akers a lot, a whole lot. I don't know that that's the the place where you want to be taking somebody right there where you have a lot of other needs, I believe, that you're going to have to fill. Uh, maybe not this year, but in the coming years. I'm, you know, okay. I I just wasn't impressed. I can understand it. I can understand. This was it. this was one of the teams that I didn't think did a good job. You don't have a lot of draft capital, and I I didn't think they spent it well. And I think you're going to have a lot of guys coming up in free agency soon that you're either going to let go or pay out the nose for. But you, you got to hope they can 
stay healthy and keep producing. Yeah. I, I think this team went all in on winning the Super Bowl early. And when they didn't, I think they're going to struggle the next couple of years fielding a real competitive team with depth. The next couple of years, they've got plenty of guys signed as stars. The problem is, is they don't have anybody behind those guys. Yeah. Yeah. I, the depth is going to be an issue. And I think that's that's why your flyers on those guys in the sixth, seventh rounds, um, that's, I mean, that's why you take them, right? You just hope to God that you can develop them enough that they are useful NFL players. Let's, uh, let's move into the next bit, and this is our last team from the NFC West, the Arizona Cardinals. Their win total is seven this season, so that is up a full game and a half from what it was last year. Yeah, it's big. Um, a, lot, a lot of people really believing in what Kyler Murray did. Obviously, they're, they got Deshaun, uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Sorry. They got, uh, they got Hopkins. They've still got Larry Fitzgerald. They, uh, they still got Patrick Peterson. They, you know, this is a team that's got guys uh, they needed offensive line help, they needed linebacker help, and they needed cornerback help. Uh, in their first-round pick, they got linebacker Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson. He can play anything. They've got him listed at linebacker. He can play cornerback. He can play safety. He can play linebacker. He can play uh, edge rusher. He, I mean, the guy does everything. It's just ridiculous. Now, the question is, he can do everything, but is he great at anything? Um, at Clemson, against the competition that they went up against, he was great at everything. I don't know what that necessarily means for the NFL. Yeah, I'm really curious. That's my question mark with him. I, I think he's an, just a crazy athlete and can do so many different things, but I worry how exceptional will he be at any of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's roll through the rest of it. Round three, tackle Josh Jones out of Houston. That was a value pick. There were people that were talking about the idea that Josh Jones could go late first round, maybe early second round. They got yep. him at pick 72 in the third round. Uh, they got, uh, let's see, Lakai Fotu out of Utah. Obviously, I'm a big-time fan of the Utah defensive line. He was a monster. Uh, Rashard Lawrence in the fourth round out of LSU, another guy that, uh, that could make an impact on the game. Linebacker Evan Weaver out of Cal in the sixth round. I thought that was also a value pick. And then round seven... They finally went running back. They got Eno Benjamin out of Arizona State. Uh, in in yesteryear, Eno Benjamin would have been a second or third round pick. In this year's draft, they got him in the seventh round at pick two twenty two, and I think that is incredible value because Eno Benjamin was a stud for Herm Edwards in Arizona State. So I'm, Evan I'm, Weaver, I'm great with this pick. Seventh round, this is what you should be doing. A sixth round, Evan Weaver out of Cal, obviously linebacker. He was fantastic. Under Justin Wilcox's offense, I mean uh, defense, I, yep. I I like every pick that they made, every single pick. I, if if I'm if we are picking a winner for this division, I think the Cardinals won this NFL draft. I think this was a yeah. In this smart in this draft. conference in this division, yes, yeah. I I, I, I love I, this. I think a clear winner. So I they they didn't tackle you know every single need that they had. But you um, can't. They didn't have enough picks to tackle every single need that they had. And, and that's the thing. They they had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. They had six and one picks. of those picks, they traded for DeAndre Hopkins. And that is totally reasonable. Right? That's pretty strong. Now, obviously, you needed some cornerback help. You didn't get that, but that's okay. I and how is that different by. than Jalen Ramsey? Because Hopkins is already locked up and signed to a long-term deal. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. So, well, long-term, I think he's only got two years left, right? But that, that you still got him for two years. Like, yeah, he's a wide good. receiver, man. Yeah. I think it's fine. 
and and a veteran. And wide they're receiver not cap strapped the way the Rams are. You got that right. I I love this Cardinals draft. I think that they hit they they got value on every single pick that they made. Uh, this I think this was great. Like I don't think you can ask for any more out of Cliff Kingsbury and that bunch. Um, I mean this is this is what you want out of a second year head coach. Like they are building towards an identity, and I like this. I like this a lot. So uh, I'm guessing you feel the same way. Yep. Nope. They're the winner of this one. Who's the loser? Man, I, I'm gonna say the Seahawks, but I trust them too much to make them the loser. I guess. Like I'd maybe say the Rams. Yeah. I'll let you say the Rams. I'll, I'll say the Seahawks for now because I just it, like it seemed like every person they took was a flyer. Like I don't feel like they got value at any single pick that they made. Um, yeah, no, they didn't, and they didn't, and they didn't. So, and I, but I don't, I don't, I don't think outside of the Cam Akers pick did they get value. But I don't call that value when you need to be preparing for life without a lot of guys, yeah. and you're not doing that. Yeah, it, it almost seems like the you're Rams, taking a guy that history says he'll be done in three years. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to be fair, like they they need a running back uh, to go along with. But, uh, but do they? I mean, I would, you, you think there's right? nobody else they could have taken in the fifth round or the eighth round. No, I mean they, they could have got like, Benjamin I mean, late. They could have got all sorts of people late. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's running backs to be had. Your very first draft pick, you take a running back when you've got a lot of other needs. That yeah, are, and here's the problem. I'm this year. People look at this year right now. Oh, this year they don't have any of those holes. You're right. They don't have any of those holes this year but they're going to next year and the year after and the year after. And unless you think they're poised to win the Super Bowl this year, then you don't go get a running back. Yeah. yeah and I don't think they are, by the way. I don't think but they that's are either. Because I'm never going to believe in Jared Goff. I think we saw the best we're ever going to see from him. I think you're I think you're probably right. You're probably right. All right. Uh, that is going to wrap up today's show. Obviously, we appreciate everybody that jumped in on the comments. You guys are fantastic. You help make the show run. We always appreciate you guys being in here. Uh, go and check out the rest of the clips from today's show if you missed out. We, uh, we are always thankful for you guys for doing that. Of course, share the show out. Tell your buddies about it. Make sure you are subscribed on all the different platforms, podcast apps, or the live show, Twitch, Periscope, Facebook, and YouTube. Uh, Chris, is there anything else we need to hit today? Nope, that's it. That is it. You guys have been fantastic. Thank you so much. And as always, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. We will see you again tomorrow. Thanks for checking out Winning Cures Everything. If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Visit the website at winningcureseverything.com or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at Winning Cures, at Gary WCE, or at Chris B. Giannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at us. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. 
Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.